Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good afternoon, listeners. This is the Dogs Program. The Australian Council for Defence of Government Schools are here every Saturday to defend and to promote public education. That's education that's public in purpose and outcome. Above all, it's public in access because we believe that all children, all Australian children, should have access to a first-rate education. This is possible. We found out that it was possible in our past and it's certainly possible in places like Finland. So this is something worth fighting for that is not a dream. And, of course, we have a great public system in this country to fight for still. But continuing with our definition... Our schools, our public schools, should also be publicly owned and controlled. We should not be delving into public-private partnerships because that is on a very slippery slide indeed to privatisation. As well as that, we should have public schools which are publicly funded and they should be the only ones that are publicly funded because as we are learning week by week from Auditor General's reports and elsewhere, public schools are the only ones that can possibly be publicly accountable. And it's more than time that our politicians woke up to the fact that this is the only way, a good public education system, to look after our future generations. Now, we have a website at www.adogs.info And in a moment, I will read you press release 784, which you will be able to read on our website also. But this afternoon, uh, we would also like to talk about a number of things that are happening here in Australia mainly. We'd like to talk, as we will be, on the effect of school shopping on the local public school. But I'd also refer you to a fascinating article in The Australian this week about, about how private schools are gaming the university entrance system through the international uh, baccalaureate, I think they call it. And as well as that, there is news on the TAFE sector, which Dale will be bringing you. Now, over to our press release, 784. The effect of school shopping on the local public school. The neoliberal ideology of choice has not only bolstered taxpayer funding of private education at the expense of public provision, it has undermined the local provision of education, pushing even young children into cars, trains and buses in our major cities as parents engage in school shopping. And this is leading to considerable angst in the public sector, not in the private sector, but certainly in the public sector. In New South Wales, the problem has recently been articulated in an article in the Sydney Morning Herald, which is entitled Why School Shopping is Killing Off the Local High School. And in Victoria, the Andrews government is under pressure to change the zoning barriers to prestigious public schools. And there was an interesting article in The Age on how the Victoria's school zones are set to be redrawn in a move that may concern parents. In Sydney... There's concern that the school shopping is killing off the local public school, as we've, as we've mentioned, because almost half of the students attending Sydney's public secondary schools live outside the catchment area. 
Now, this doesn't deal with the private sector, of course, but this suggests that the local comprehensive high school is becoming a thing of the past as parents are embracing school shopping because the ideology of choice reigns supreme in both New South Wales and Victoria and elsewhere too. Among non-specialist, non-selective schools in the Greater Sydney area, 43% of students live outside their school's catchment area. And when partially selective schools with specialties such as sports and performing arts are included, that grows to 44%. In Victoria, the move of students from the private to the public sector has seen changes introduced that saw schools turn away hundreds of students who lived outside the local area. I'll read that again. In Victoria, the move of students from the private to the public. Yes, they're coming from the private to the public sector. And they might even come in droves after what's happened to um, Archbishop Pell, or sorry, Cardinal Pell. Um, but this has seen changes that have seen schools turn away hundreds of students who lived outside the local area. We need more public schools, quickly. Under those changes, schools are no longer entitled to extra portable classrooms if 50% or more of their students do not live locally. So the Andrews government is trying to keep the zoning system in some kind of shape. Now, the Berwick Lodge primary school principal, Henry Gossick, who's always had quite a lot of very interesting things to say on the internet, for example, he has said that the changes would give every school an enrolment ceiling to help them manage growth, a change that he has been advocating for years. They will do a capacity check on your school grounds and facilities to see what your maximum number can be, he said. Now, the doc's position on all of this, because this is a, um, this is a managerial problem which has been caused partly by a funding problem and partly by a private school duplication facilities problem and partly by the lack of state governments to look forward and put their money where their mouth is concerning the public sector. But the dog's position was articulated in a few comments uh, in the age. James, 78, wrote, Absolutely the only solution every state school needs to be as good as the best one. The whole point of state schooling should be that every child receives the same good education. Very good assumption. Allowing parents significant choice will inevitably magnify small initial differences. Good schools grow exponentially and bad schools wither away. But allowing significant school differences without choice means that preferences of school parents, especially rich ones, severely distorts house prices to the significant detriment of society. But of course, to the glee of those owning property with inflated prices, yet another mechanism reinforcing growing inequality in Australia. An idiocy is here wrote, only in Australia do people buy properties to inflated prices to be able to enrol their children to the school of their choice. The train network needs to expand. We need a loop that you can go between the suburbs without the need to change to unreliable buses and parents need to feel safe to send their children on public transport open all public and private schools to everyone and work on a first-come, first-service basis. And for those who remember Jeff Kennett's big public school sell-off to his advertising and other mates and the battle for Richmond in 1993 in which 3CR played a leading part, a significant lack of, wrote, 1990s, Let's close all of the marginal schools and sell the land to developers. It will make us a packet. That was the Kennett 
philosophy. In 2010s, let's build a bunch of new schools because we don't have any capacity left. An ICSBSS responded to that one. Oh, yes, they could. Kenneth ignored a large amount of data about population growth, especially in the inner and middle suburbs. I was involved with providing a report that showed how families were moving into the inner suburbs and the flow on for the middle suburbs. It was all about the money and bugger the future. Yes, well, look what's happened to Mr Kenneth and Beyond Blue and a few other things. It wasn't, he, he wasn't the only one who got depressed, I assure you. So that's our press release for, for this week. Uh, there's a lot of other very interesting material, in the, particularly in the New South Wales um, uh, articles. For example, you find out what is really happening at the different schools. So-called school shopping has grown in popularity since strict strict catchments were relaxed in the late 1980s and of 90 non-specialist, non-selective high schools, 25 have now gone more than half of their students coming from out of the area. For example, at Holdroyd High, 87% of students live outside the catchment, the highest proportion in Sydney. But that's a school that takes many migrants and refugees and students often go for the intensive English centre there and then they stay. This school also has an excellent reputation. Until recently it was led by a renowned principal and human rights medalist, Dorothy Hodenot. So there's often reasons why some schools are more popular than others. At Strathfield South High, for example, 73% of students live outside the zone, while there's a similar percentage at Plumpton High. At Marrickville and Arthur Phillip High, I used to teach at Arthur Phillip High, believe it or not, two out of three students are out-of-area enrolments. So I'm very interested to see that Arthur Phillip High is now a much sought-after school because back in 1962, um, the 1A had to spend most of, the first, of their first year at high school being taught in the playground because there were bird lice in the ceiling. And that was why the teachers in 1968 eventually went on strike to do something about the schools which were falling around around down around us um, we didn't go out for for money we went out for the children uh, there were certainly uh, reasons why the needs policy came in with the Labor Party in 1973 but all the needs policies have failed they just need to put lots of money into our public system and not have it going out the leaky sieve into the wealthy private schools. But that's enough of me for the moment. Let's have a song which I would like to dedicate either to Mr Morrison or Mr Dutton. You choose. I'm the very model of a modern major general. I've information, vegetable, animal, and mineral. I know the kings of England, and I quote the fights historical from Marathon to Waterloo in order categorical. I'm very well equated to with matches mathematical, and and equations both are simple and quadratical. About one of your theorem, I am teeming with a lot of news. Lot of news, lot of news. Uh -huh. With many cheerful facts about the square of the hypotenuse. I'm very good at integral and differential calculus. I know the scientific names of beings and immaculus. And short and matches vegetable, animal and mineral. I am the very model of a modern major general. I know I'm mythic history, King Arthur, since a paradox. I answer hard across the which of taste for paradox. I quote an elegiacs of the crimes of Heliogabalus and codics I can talk with the adipties and the rabbitness. I can tell undoubted Raphael's and Jedi dozens of these. I know the cooking chorus from the frogs of Aristophanes that I can hum a few which I've heard the music's dinner for. Uh, dinner, dinner for, dinner for, dinner for, uh, yes. 
and whistle all the airs in that infernal nonsense pinafore. Then I can write a washing bill in Babylonic uniform and tell you every detail of Caractacus's uniform in short and matches vegetable, animal, and mineral. I am the very model of a modern major general. In fact, when I know what is meant by mammalin and rebelin, when I can tell at sight a mouse a rifle from a javelin, when such affairs as sorties and surprises I'm more wary at, and when I know precisely what is meant by commissariat, when I have learned what progress has been made in modern gunnery, when I know more of tactics than a novice in a nunnery, in short, when I was smattering of elemental strategy. Strategy, strategy, oh my God, strategy. Ah, you'll say a better major general has never sat a For my military knowledge, though I am plucky and adventurous, has only been brought down to the beginning of the century. For still in matters vegetable, animal, and mineral, I am the very model of a modern major general. Now, for some of these parents who are going school shopping uh, with their checkbooks, some of them, uh, what it's about isn't necessarily the happiness or what their children really want to do. It's about getting into the universities, uh, getting that number, which is called an attar, that will get them into the universities. And in the education industry, which is being largely promoted by private school businesses, and let's call them for what they are. They are businesses, and we'll be talking about that moment in a moment um, with the TAFE area but private schools definitely have a business model so they have to have something to sell which is uh, the entrance to university but here we have in the weekend Australian of February the 23rd to the 24th would you believe it an article on schools gaming uni entrance system This is very interesting. There are glaring anomalies in the university entry system and they are benefiting a small cohort of students who study the International Baccalaureate at the expense of other high-flying students an investigation by the Weekend Australian has found. This revelation has fuelled claims that some private schools are using the IB which is short for International Baccalaureate, which is a globally focused program mostly taught here in the so-called independent schools, to game entry to the nation's most coveted degrees. And these schools, believe it or not, deny the charge. The University's Admission Centre, the education body that converts students' Year 12 results into tertiary admission ranks, or ATARs, acknowledged the anomalies and admitted that they were causing unease. Listeners, this is really what these businesses, so-called independent schools have been doing for years with the funding system, particularly the Catholic education offices. But now they're using the uh, entrance uh, anomalies to universities. The UAC marketing manager, Kim Paino, said, any situation where there's a different way of reporting students' results, there's going to be some sort of anomalies coming through. One anomaly relates to scaling and it's adversely affecting gifted students aiming for a top attar of 99.95, a conduit to medicine degrees and prestigious tertiary scholarships in Australia and overseas. In New South Wales, HSC students' final results are scaled while the International Baccalaureate students' results are not. 
This means the number of maximum ATARs for HSC students is effectively capped at 0.05% of their population age cohort. Yet the number of top ATARs awarded to international baccalaureate students is unlimited, provided students achieve 45 out of 45 in their exams and assessments. The ATARs relate to 100%, or just 100, the word, the, the number 100, but the baccalaureate has got a top mark of 45. This discrepancy also affects Year 12 students who study scaled state curriculums outside New South Wales, including Victoria's Certificate of Education. Compounding the problem, Ms Paino said, was the fact that the international baccalaureate students were marked out of 45, where HSC students are marked out of 500, leading to course results with little room for differentiation. These very coarse results mean that you may get more students at particular ranks than you would in other situations, she said. Sydney Private School Trinity Grammar recently revealed that nine of its 2018 Year 12 students had received perfect international baccalaureate scores and 99.95 ATARs, an international baccalaureate record for Australia. On this measure, Trinity, which came 11th in the HSC league tables, outperformed the selective public and private schools, James Roos Agricultural High, North Sydney Boys High and Sydney Grammar, which took out the top three places in the 2018 HSC. It's very strange. Asked whether some international baccalaureate schools were capitalising on the ATAR conversion anomalies and gaming entry into prestigious university courses, Moen Dahl, Australian Tutoring Association Chief Executive and a University of Technology lecturer, replied, Of course. Because Mr Dahl has tutored or taught international baccalaureate and HSC economic students and found that some international baccalaureate students are poorer achievers than my HSC students, yet they will actually obtain a higher ATAR. He said the problem went beyond the very top students. If students are working hard to get into a course, why should somebody in one school be disadvantaged simply because they chose to do the curriculum of their state, he said. Trinity headmaster Tim Bowden said conversion of the international baccalaureate diploma results to ATAR was properly carried out. No doubt, but it's still because the anomaly means that they can game it. Um, He said that one half of Trinity's 2018 Year 12 cohort studied the International Baccalaureate. Students who choose the International Baccalaureate Diploma tend to be our high potential learners, and these are boys who would have done very well in the HSC anyway, he said. So this is all very interesting. Out of 2,732 Australian students who completed the 2018 IB or International Baccalaureate across 73 schools, 28 achieved a perfect score of 45. And this means one in 98 of these students obtained a 99.95 ATAR. And university admission statistics show that 46 of 50,000 2018 HSC students, about 1 in 1,200, who received an ATAR, scored 99.95. So uh, there's something very strange about these finer-grained results when it comes to getting the final result for high achievers. But we all know that once people get to university, uh, their achievement is really quite different and that uh, people who went through a state school education often do much, much better than those who went to a private school because they haven't been spoon-fed and their results have not been gained. Part of the problem, of course, is 
that in the International Baccalaureate, uh, a lot of the uh, results are internal. The school actually, or the teachers in the school, actually say how good their students are. And they would be under a lot of pressure to mark them well, because after all, the parents of these students are paying good dollars, good money in the business model to get them to university over children who come from less advantaged backgrounds. But we'll have a bit of a break. The annual Flavours Festival on this March celebrates culture from around the globe with cooking demonstrations by celebrity sweet creator Anna Polyview and Greg Hampton from Charcoal Lane showcasing native ingredients and flavours. It's free and family-friendly with Music by Black Jesus Experience, Indigenous hip-hop projects and many more. Flavours Festival, Saturday, March 16, from 3pm at Greville Street, Pran. Proudly presented by the City of Stonington, a 3CR supporter. Celebrate International Women's Day with 3CR. On Friday the 8th of March, we'll bring you 24 hours of non-stop radio by, for and about women. Join 3CR's fabulous women and genderqueer broadcasters as we talk with talented Melbourne musicians, songwriters, storytellers and activists making a difference. Featuring a special live broadcast from the 2019 International Women's Day Rally at the State Library between 5.30 and 6.30pm. For the full day's program, visit our website at 3cr.org.au. International Women's Day 24-hour broadcast... Friday the 8th of March 2019. Tune in at 855am, 3CR Digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. Well, welcome back to 3CR 855 on the AM dial. And this is the DOGS program, the Australian Council for the Defence of Government Schools. And I'm going to pass you over from the croak in my voice <laughs> to the uh, beautiful voice of Dale. <laughs> She'll be talking about the business model on Morrison's mind concerning the TAFE sector. Thanks, Jean. Yes, yeah, so I've got an article from the Australian Education Union's website uh, entitled Big Business Puts Profit Ahead of Students and TAFE. A proposal from big business groups for the federal government to take over responsibility for Australia's vocational education and training sector is merely a bid by private training providers to line their own pockets at the expense of TAFE students. AEU Federal President Corinna Haythorpe said that TAFE has been under attack for over a decade from a privatisation agenda which has slashed its funding while giving taxpayer dollars to poorly regulated private providers. She said that a Commonwealth takeover of vocational education would see even more funding diverted to private providers and more pressure being exerted on the TAFE system. The privatisation of vocational education in Australia over the past decade has been an abject failure. The wholesale federal takeover of the vocational of the vocation education sector, along with ACPT's push for 100% contestable funding, would only make things worse, Ms Haythorpe said. The Liberal National Government has cut over $3 billion from TAFE, Apprenticeship and Vocational Education. Meanwhile, governments have lavished education funding on private providers who have repeatedly left students in debt or without qualifications that, or without the qualifications that they pay for. TAFE campuses have closed and jobs and vocational education courses have been lost under the Morrison government's watch, while government funding for private, for profit operators has soared. We've seen the proliferation of unscrupulous operators looking to cash in by charging exorbitant fees for poor quality training, Ms Haythorpe said. 
this proposal by the big business lobby, along with the ACPT, to hand responsibility for the vocational education of the to the Commonwealth is just another attempt to line the pockets of private providers with even more public money at the expense of students. Ms Haythorpe said that government funding cuts to TAFE had shaken confidence in the system. Government expenditure on TAFE declined by 31.5% between 2007 and 2016. This has seen TAFE enrolments decline from nearly 800,000 in 2015 to 680,000 in 2017. Meanwhile, over the same period, private providers increased their share of publicly funded students from just under 15% to 40% and increased total numbers by more than 280%. Despite the VET fee help scandal, private providers are attracting an increasing share of the current total value of loans issued to students under the current VET student help scheme. In 2017, private providers accounted for $325.5 million of student loans, which is 57.1% of the total, compared to the public allocation $244.3 million, which is 42.9% of the total. The AEU calls on the federal government to 1. Guarantee a minimum of 70% government funding to the public TAFE system. No public funding should go to private for-profit providers consistent with other education sectors. 2. Restore funding and rebuild the TAFE system to restore confidence in the quality of the courses and qualifications and the institution. 3. Abandon the failed student loans experiment and cancel the debts of all students caught up in the private for-profit provider scams. 4. To reinvest in the TAFE teaching workforce and develop a future-focused TAFE workforce development strategy in collaboration with the profession and unions. 5. Develop a capital investment strategy in in consultation with state governments to address the deplorable state of TAFE facilities around the country. And six, to support a comprehensive independent inquiry into TAFE. Ms Haythorpe said that both the Commonwealth and the states and territories must put the interests of students first and acknowledge the damage that the push for privatisation has inflicted on TAFE. A strong public TAFE has always been the backbone of vocational education in this nation, Ms Haythorpe said. Any attempts to further privatise the vocational education system and reduce the role of, of TAFE must be resisted. Any proposal which undermines the importance of the Commonwealth and state and territory governments working together to build a, a strong, vibrant, fully funded public TAFE will be fiercely opposed by the AEU. Now it's time for the governments to, t- to make TAFE their urgent priority. Our students and their families deserve nothing less than a fully funded public TAFE sector, Ms Haythorpe said. Well, all the strength to the arm of Ms Haythorpe. The problem is, of course, Mr Morrison, he might have actually heard something concerning climate change, but I don't think his ears have been unblocked to the realisation that uh, education is going to be the major issue also, or a major issue in the coming election. Mr Shorten's woken up, but Morrison hasn't yet. And uh, he's got a few problems, hasn't he, Dale? Because... um, Look what happened down here in Victoria. Mm. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens in New South Wales this month. Mm. Uh, Mr Morrison just... I'm very surprised because he himself went to Sydney Boys High. <laughs> but he's been off the, off the radar for a long time when it comes to education. Well, we'll have another little break and uh, come back with some facts and figures. Yeah. 
Mitten in dem kleinen Teich steht ein Pavillon aus grünen und aus weißen Porzellan. Mitten eines Tigers hört die Brücke die Kassiade zu dem Pavillon You're listening to 3CR, 855 on the AM dial, and this is the DOGS program, the Australian Council for the Defence of Government Schools. And here's a few facts and figures. Before the break, we were commenting that Mr Morrison just doesn't seem to be listening to the very, very definite news in our electorate that education is going to be an issue this federal election. Well, some facts and figures, and here is Dale to give them to you. Thanks, Jean. Uh, Yes, this is an article from the Sydney Morning Herald uh, by Fergus Hunter entitled State and Territory Governments Increase Funding for Private Schools. State and Territory Government spending on private schools has rebounded one year after the Gonski funding deal saw cuts for the sector for the first time in a decade. Nationally, total government spending on each non-government school student rose to $10,644 in 2016-2017, up $384 from the year before, according to a new report from the Productivity Commission. Spending on each public school student rose to $17,531, which is up by 63 The figures come as the Morrison government finalises five-year school funding deals with state and territory governments, with a reluctant New South Wales agreeing in late 2018, leaving Victoria the only remaining holdout. The Productivity Commission's report found New South Wales government spending on each school student dropped from $15,516 to $14,976, while Victoria's rose from $13,449 to $13,605. New South Wales spending on private school students rose from 
$2,691 to $2,757, while Victoria's spend went from $1,948 to $2,006. Queensland was the only jurisdiction to cut its funding for private students. The Commission's 2018 report on government spending found that states and territories had cut spending for private schools for the first time in at least 10 years, with Gonski funding deals seeing money flow to needy public schools. Federal spending increased for both government and non-government schools in every state and territory except in the Northern Territory, where private funding dropped. In the 10 years to 2016 and 2017, total government expenditure on private school students increased 2.8% annually on average compared to 1.1% for government schools. In Australia, school... In Australia's school funding system, state governments contribute the majority of funding for public schools, while the federal government shoulders most of the burden for private schools. According to the latest figures, the states and territories contributed 84.9% of government schools' funding, while the Australian government accounted for 75.7% of non-government schools' funding. Government spending on private schools represented 57.5% of their revenue, with the remaining 42.5% being drawn from fees and other sources. Nationwide, government spending on school education increased to a record $57.8 billion in 2016-2017, up 2.8% from the year before. The Turnbull government replaced Labor's original Gonski model with its Gonski 2.0 plan designed to simplify the system and inject $23.5 billion into schools over a decade, $17 billion shy of the funding boost promised by Labor. The Morrison government then announced a multi-billion dollar fix for private schools in an effort to resolve its dispute with the Catholic and independent sectors, who had resisted the original model that introduced tighter budgets for some private schools. Official government projections revealed this week show Catholic schools will get more than $4.1 billion in extra funding over the decade, and independent schools will get a $263 million boost. The New South Wales government grudgingly inked a federal deal, a, a funding deal with the federal government despite concerns over the slush fund for the Catholic and independent sectors. New South Wales announced it would create its own equity fund for public schools worth an extra $712 million. The Victorian government has resisted signing a deal over concerns about inequity between government and non-government schools. Very interesting indeed. And Mr Shorten has got his ear to the ground where Mr Morrison has failed. He turned up at the AEU conference last weekend. Oh, sorry, two weekends ago, I would think it was. And he said that education is going to be a key election issue as far as he's concerned. And he claims that only a Labor government was committed to extra resources for schools and better educational outcomes. Please notice he doesn't use the term public schools because Mr Shorten is um, also prepared to give lots of money to the private sector. Speaking at the Australian Education Union National Conference, however... The federal opposition leader implored teachers to help spread Labor's vision on education. So he understands that the uh, Australian Education Union, with its buses and its um, tentacles into so many schools and parents, with so many parents throughout Australia, will make a big difference in the next federal election, which is only a few months away. Ah, he claims that he has a view that better schools trumps bigger banks and he has the view that better TAFE trumps bigger multinational tax profits. Well, Mr Shorten, that is acceptable rhetoric. I think we'll accept that rhetoric and we'll hold you to it. 
He claims that they've got the best vision for education and the best vision for teaching. teaching. And they're also prepared to um, give TAFE a bit of a go. But they're taking a leaf out of the Victorian Labor Party's book because Mr Andrews, for all his faults, and they are many, uh, he won in almost a landslide down here in Victoria in the last few months. Why? He has resisted Mr Morrison's funding deal, which favours the private schools over the public schools. And they still haven't signed up to the public schools. New South Wales was brought screaming to the table by Dan Tian, but Mr Lino, bless his cotton-picking little socks, uh, he's not going to sign. And he was at the Port Melbourne Primary School with uh, Tanya Plibersek and also with um, the... Uh, Tanya Plibersek, of course, is the... Uh, Shadow Minister for Education for the Labor Government, for the, a potential Labor Government. They're certainly not in yet, and um, you never take anything for granted in politics. But he was visiting the Port Mel- Melbourne School with Tanya Plibersek, and he announced that he would boycott the Melbourne Education Declaration Forum on Shaping Future Education Grants and Policy, also held in Melbourne. He wasn't prepared to sit and listen to the Morrison government grandstand about education while they are proposing a funding model in which public school kids get less funding than private school kids, Mr Molino said. Well, that also is very acceptable rhetoric, Mr Molino. So perhaps you could... Uh, pull back some of all that money that you're giving to the private schools and put them into our public schools in Victoria also. And you could also think about what they're doing in New South Wales and set up your own special equity fund for public schools that's worth an extra 200, sorry, 712 million. So we're always interested in the right rhetoric, but we do like the facts and the action. But let's have a quick break and then we'll come back with our Great State School of the Week.
Every week on the Doctor Program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. State schools are great schools. School of the week. State schools. School of the week. Great state schools. State schools. School of the week. School for the week here on the Dogs Program. Well, we've been listening to Beethoven's Sonata in G and wasn't that lovely? bit of twiddling bits. And here we are with some good news about the Princess Hill Secondary College in Princess Hill. Now, the interesting thing about this is that I also thought I would like to find a private school in this area to compare it with. And I found great difficulty. When I uh, put something in, a public s- private school, Carlton, Victoria, I got Haileybury College, and we talked about Haileybury College last week, didn't we? I was thinking perhaps of trying to find something on Simmons Boys School, uh, which is uh, in West Melbourne, but I couldn't find very much on it, so I'll have to look further for next week for you, if you're interested. But I want to talk about Princess Hill Secondary College, and it is a very, very good school. Um, It's for mainly wealthy and middle-class parents, I have to say, Uh, and there are two very much sought after secondary schools in that area. There is University High and there's Princess Hill Secondary College. Um, University High was selective but is no longer and um, these schools are reasonably well serviced as well. So there's no need for a private school in the area excepting for those who... um, somehow feel that they must to prove that they are good good parents buy out of the system. Now, here are a few facts. It's a government secondary school, 7 to 12. It's in a major city. It has 71 teachers, teaching staff. It has um, uh, 19 non-teaching staff. Now, some of those are part-time, but most look as if they are full-time. The ICSIA value is 1,156. It's well above average, which is 1,000. And the average ICSIA value, of course, is 1,000. And they found that out because of parent information. As well as that, um, it has boys and girls. It's a co-ed school. And uh, there are a few more more boys than girls, but it's pretty well pretty well um, equal. As well as that, we can talk about the actual money that it takes to educate a child in this school. Now, remember, it has a well above ICSIA value, uh, and the Australian government recurrent funding is one point almost 9 million. And the state territory government funding recurrent is 7.3 million. It has private charges because the parent contributions, which are voluntary, amount to 417,000, which is quite a lot. And there is money from other private sources, which are not shown, which is over a million. So the parents are not only contributing, but they are also raising a considerable amount of money because these schools don't have endowments like private schools do. So altogether, keeping this school going every year costs the taxpayer $10.7 million, which means that the cost per student is 12108 per student. Now, that is well below... Uh, what you would expect. What kind of um, results do they get? A bit, a, bit above, a bit above average. A bit above average. But it has 
a very good feel about it, this school. It doesn't have many poor children, but it does have a majority of middle-class children. And it has a very good VET program, alternative program, and the students there seem to be doing quite well as well. Now, I'm told that I can't tell you very much more about this school, but those of us who, have, who know people who go there know that the parents are very, very happy with Princess Hill Secondary College and it gets very good results all the way through. So uh, I think that this is very interesting that there are two very good public schools in the inner city which have survived uh, and there are very few private schools. They are actually not needed. And it's, I think, a great pity that Hayley Berry has come into the mix. A great pity indeed. We don't need it. And that goes for large numbers of private schools in Australia. People go on about finance. Let's think about taking them over and rationalising our education system and having one first-class public system and one genuinely independent system. That is the dog's position, and our time has gone. Thanks for being with us for this full hour. I know it's a long time to be listening to us, but we thank you if you've stuck it out with us. And our website will tell you more about our battle for public education at www.adogs.info. But from Dale and myself, it's bye for now. Says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead.